0: hey what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of that triathlon show the podcast presented by ScientificTriathlon.com. i'm your host michael and this episode is q and a number 51 before we get into the question for today's episode big thanks to our sponsors precision hydration I will do a longer review of how I used Precision Hydration for my most recent race, the Ironman 7.3 World Championships, at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. But for now, uh, just uh, to give you the quick synopsis of Precision Hydration, they do electrolyte products that help you get hydrated and stay hydrated, and you can take your free online sweat test on PrecisionHydration.com to get an electrolyte and hydration strategy for your next race. And uh, that will give you a great ballpark estimate for where you can start experimenting and uh, and take it from there because you always need to keep tweaking things until you figure out what works specifically for you. If you want to try precision Hydration's electrolytes, you can get your first box or tube for free with the promo code that show all on word, all caps. And thank you to Roca. As for precision hydration, I'll talk a bit longer about them. At the end of this episode, some observations from the world champs but for now, just a quick synopsis again. Roka are world leaders in creating wetsuits, trisuits, suits, swimskins, and high-performance eyewear, including casual eyewear as well as uh, uh, eyewear for sports performance. So you can check them out on Roka.com. That's R O K A dot com, and get twenty percent off your entire order with the promo code T T S all caps. So to get into the question for today, I only have one question because the other ones that I have uh, in the backlog uh, require a pretty significant amount of research. And uh, yeah, I just didn't have time to have more questions than one today because of the preparation time that that it would take. So, but this is an interesting one, a really good question. And this one comes from Michael in Huddersfield, UK. And he writes, if doing a long run uh, Or bike, is there any way of getting the same training benefit by doing a shorter version and doing higher intensity early on and fatiguing the legs? For example, if I want to achieve the equivalent of a six hour bike ride, could I do 30 minute easy riding as a warm up, followed by one hour at sweet spot to build fatigue in the legs, and then do one and a half hours at zone two intensity to get a total time of three hours instead of six? Thank you for everything you do on TTS. Best of luck in Nice. Regards, Michael great question michael this is um, this is a very common question and a thing that uh, that all age group athletes need to consider because time is at a premium and how can we get the most out of our rides and runs when we don't have necessarily the time to do six hour rides and uh, how do we think about where we prioritize placing the training hours that we have should we actually do long rides or should we not because there might be alternative ways to get the same effects well the quick answer to this is that you can get some benefits by doing building in intensity, but you cannot get all the benefits of a traditional long ride. So there are several benefits of the long ride, and we should go through these because that will help you understand which benefits you can replicate and which ones you can't. And uh, first, we have long rides are highly beneficial because of uh, the, they activate specific pathways of adaptations in uh, the muscles. That are triggered basically from just repeated muscle contractions over long duration so yeah training for a long time going out for a long ride or a long run and this cannot be short changed with intensity because intensity activates different pathways of adaptation which is why you need to do both but uh, but you cannot get this specific pathway by just doing a shorter version and having more intensity so uh, that's not to say that you have to do a six hour ride. Actually, from from everything that I understand, and I should uh, do the caveat here that that this is based on my current understanding of uh, long, long workouts and the research that I've done. And uh, I hope that I'm somewhere in the region of 85 to 90% correct, but uh, I'm sure there are things that I might have missed or even some small mistakes. So if somebody knows something like that, then feel free to email me and correct me because this is quite a, a complex topic. So either way, my current understanding is that this sort of low intensity pathway, you could uh, replicate or you, you could basically, it's mostly to do with overall training volume rather than the volume of an individual workout. So for this particular benefit, the sort of the molecular signaling, you could do two times two hours instead of one times four hours and and get a quite a similar effect i'm not saying that it's exactly the same but uh, in the ballpark and by the way for those of you who want to learn more about these different signaling pathways this sort of low intensity pathway is the calcium calmodulin protein kinase dependent pathway if you want to find more specifics on that and uh, and the higher intensity the pathway that it gets activated with higher intensity works work can yield similar benefits but through a different pathway which is based on ampk signaling so that is the reason that you should try to do both and maximize adaptations from both of these different pathways it's not an either or proposition it's both and the big the big challenge is just to find the right balance of the low and high intensity so that's the first benefit of long rides and uh, you cannot uh, replicate that with intensity but you can with total volume so getting in a total amount of let's say eight hours of cycling per week might be the same if you do it as four hours plus two hours plus two hours or let's say six one hour rides and one two hour ride which would also add up to eight hours total So the second key benefit which is uh, unique to quite unique to long rides is uh, the metabolic side of things and uh, specifically if you ride your long rides or run your long runs at the right intensity then you will be training your ability to effectively use fat for fuel free fatty acid oxidation. And I'll give a specific example and specific numbers to illustrate why I think that this benefit is unique to, to long rides and cannot be replicated by uh, fatiguing the legs with intensity earlier on. So I have, uh, this is, this example is based on an inside test of one of my coached athletes. And this athlete has an, an FTP or he had an FTP of 315 watts by the time that this Uh, test was conducted it was a few months ago uh, already but uh, that's where i have the latest data from so that's what i'll go with so this ride example athlete if they go out and do a five hour ride at zone two so 200 watts they will use 3850 calories and 69 percent of that which is 2660 calories will come from fat If on the other hand he does two hours at 200 watts, so the same zone two, plus one hour of sweet spot, which uh, would be 265 watts, and or 85 percent of FTP, he will use 2,540 calories in total. So that's uh, already roughly 1,400 calories less than the five-hour ride, and 1,500 calories, or 59 percent of the total amount, will come from fat. And that's because 69 percent. of energy comes from fat in the zone two segments, but in the sweet spot segments at 265 watts, he will use 44% of his energy from fat. So, in other words, and to put that in context, the 1500 calories from fat is compared to 2660 calories from fat in the five hour continuous zone two ride. So, both in absolute and relative terms, fat oxidation is reduced in the intensified and shortened version of the workout and just to give a third example actually you didn't have this in your question but let's say that we still have we we only have three hours and uh and we so we can use those three hours by including one hour of sweet spot as you suggested or we can just go out and ride at this athlete's fat max intensity which would be 214 watts so slightly above that mid zone two wattage that i specified earlier 200 watts so if he rides at his fat max 214 watts that's where he'll be using the biggest absolute amount of fat of all his power range and in relative terms 65 percent of his uh, of his energy will come from fat and if he has those three hours he will use 2480 calories total compared to in the intensified version of the three hour workout 2540 so actually only 60 calories less and uh, 1610 calories will come from fat in this Uh, constant 214 watt ride compared to 1500 in the two hours and two plus one hour sweet spot spot kind of ride so the difference between these two between a continuous 214 watt lowish intensity low but steady uh, fat max ride and the the ride that includes one hour sweet spot which is a very taxing ride uh, is uh, not very big in terms of fat oxidation but it is very big in terms of glycogen sparing and uh, how much less depleted uh, this uh, this athlete will be if he does the fat max ride, 214 watts, compared to the sweet spot ride, uh, because the, that's just when you when you go from fat max to sweet spot intensity. Even though the difference here is only 50 watts that's uh, that's just a massive increase in carbohydrate usage that that occurs over one hour and carbohydrate stores are limited so so that's a a key difference here and you're not necessarily getting any more in terms of this second benefit that we're talking about here the metabolic and improving fat oxidation you're not getting any more benefit by doing intensity but you're getting some disadvantages in terms of using more carbohydrate that might impact on your training later on because you'll be more depleted and not necessarily be able to fully restore your your glycogen stores for your next intense session so these are things to consider and if fat oxidation is something that you consider the uh, one of the key Benefits that you're looking for to get from your long workouts, then it makes sense to actually go the lower intensity route rather than adding the sweet spot work. And this is not to say that sweet spot work is bad. It's great. It has great potential benefits in its own right. And we talked about that many, many times. But here, when the discussion is if we can get the same benefits as those of a longer ride by introducing sweet spot work, in terms of this particular benefit of long rides the metabolic demands and the uh, free fatty acid oxidation uh, then uh, no uh, it does not make sense to to add intensity or intensify the workout from this metabolic perspective and i hope that this example showed you showed you that and, uh, and gave you the, the reasoning for for why now there is a third very key benefit of long rides and that is the motor unit recruitment patterns Or the fiber cycling that happens when we go out and ride long. Basically what happens is that you'll be using through the first couple of hours of the ride a lot of slow twitch uh, muscle fibers but at some point depending on how well trained you are these slow twitch fibers are going to start to fatigue and you will be needing to to start to recruit some, some fast twitch fiber but since the intensity is relatively low you will use those fast twitch fibers uh, aerobically so they will you will practice the the oxidative capacity of these fast switch uh, fibers which is uh, a key key adaptation for endurance athletes and a key stimulus that we want to apply to get those fast switch fibers to start to work aerobically and uh, this is an effect that you can actually replicate with intensifying the workout and, and doing what you suggest for example and adding one hour at sweet spot earlier on in your ride So this will definitely uh, fatigue your slow twitch fiber earlier on than if you just go at a constant lower intensity, which means that you will start to cycle in those fast twitch fibers earlier on as well and get those same benefits. So, so far, great. That's, uh, that works. The difference, again, that you need to remember if you want to do this and if, uh, if this is one of the key reasons that you're doing long rides is that you also get a completely different stress response so the recovery demands on both your muscles and your nervous system will be far greater when you have uh, have intensity in that ride even if it's a shorter ride compared to a longer ride at lower intensity but yes you can get this fiber cycling benefit of uh, long rides through a shorter ride which includes intensity just be aware of the price to be paid and uh, take that into account and uh, realize that it will, it will and should impact how you plan your training during uh, the following, following days. Uh, so if you did a low, long, low intensity ride during the weekend, you can probably do a bit more intensity during the week than somebody who does a ride with intensity on the weekend. So you just need to get that, that balance right. So to summarize uh, this uh, whole question and, and, or the answer, we have three key physiological benefits of long rides. First, we have the quote-unquote low-intensity signaling, the uh, calcium-calmodulin-dependent pathway. And this can be replicated with your total volume of training at low intensity, but not with intensifying your workouts. And the second one is uh, the fat oxidation. And this cannot be replicated with uh, high-intensity training. So it's better to do just as long a ride as you can, even if you're limited to two or three hours and do it at the right intensity if fat oxidation is what you're uh, you're trying to improve. And third, we have the fiber cycling and uh, this can be replicated by pre legs, but there is a higher cost in terms of the higher stress on your muscles and your nervous system. So it should, uh, if you choose to replicate this benefit with intensifying the workout, then you need to do that as part of a well thought out plan and uh, just to recap fiber cycling basically means that you you teach your body to use more of your fast switch fiber in an oxidative capacity so they become they they get more endurance in uh, in layman's terms so uh, can pre-fatiguing your muscles with intensity work to get the same benefits as the long ride to a certain extent but nowhere near 100 percent. that would be my answer And if you are limited for time and you take care that your plan accounts for the added stress of the intensity, then sure, it's not a bad idea at all to integrate that type of training strategically into your program. And by that, I mean doing something like you suggest, including one hour sweet spot early on to fatigue your muscles and get some of the benefits of the long ride by already being in a fatigued state earlier on. As usual, context is really important and you need to keep the big picture in mind a final general point on this topic is that when you compare that three hour ride with intensity in your example with a six hour ride uh, you should be aware that the intensity that you add does definitely not count for as much as three hours of riding and uh, i think that the best comparison of equivalent durations really is not to look at TSS but actually to look at uh, kilojoules or kilocalories so the total amount of work done and in my example athlete that I brought up earlier to do the same amount of work in kilojoules or kilocalories as he does for five hours at 200 watts 72 intensity he would need to do, for example, something like two hours at Zone two plus two hours and eighteen minutes at that two hundred and sixty five watt sweet spot intensity to do the same amount of work in other words, the workout in total is four hours and eighteen minutes, and this would be the equivalent work of a five hour ride but consider the <laughs> the toll it takes to do two hours and eighteen minutes at sweet spot uh, that's uh, that's a really hard seventy point three ride basically so um, so there you go Uh, that's uh, basically wraps it up for today that's the one question that i'll answer for today i hope that you got a lot out of it i want to mention that uh, me and uh, james and lucky the other coaches here at scientific triathlon are planning on doing a podcast episode on the base training phase that many of you are soon entering i've gotten a lot of questions about that the reason that i'm not answering them as q and a's is that we want to do a dedicated big episode about that so if you have questions on that topic or thoughts about the episode we're going to do things that you want us to include please send them in as soon as possible we will record uh, probably in about a week's time by the time that this episode goes out so send your your questions and any any sort of uh, suggestions that you have to michael at scientific and that's michael with a k finally also if you enjoy this podcast remember to share it with your friends and fellow triathletes endurance athletes that might enjoy it it really helps a lot and uh, it's really important to keep growing the podcast to keep it sustainable and uh, allow me to to keep uh, keep producing it So thank you in advance for sharing it with as many as possible. Finally, big thanks to Precision Hydration. In this segment, what I want to do is to take you through how I use Precision Hydration leading up to and into a race, uh, because I recently raced the Ironman 7.3 World Championships and I used Precision Hydration both in the leading and uh, during the race. So what I do is that a couple of days before the race, uh, seeing as it was quite hot in Nice and uh, when I was doing the last few days of training, I was losing a lot of fluid because I was sweating in the heat. So I made sure that the last couple of days, two or three days, I was drinking at least one liter of precision hydration 1500 to basically just make sure that I get enough fluid in, but I also absorb it. That's where the sodium comes into play in a big way because it helps you better absorb the fluid rather than just pee it out and uh, then I did the same thing I had uh, 500 milliliters of pH 1500 on the morning of the race in addition to to some water and uh, a cup of coffee and uh, before waiting for my race to start I was in one of the last waves starting at 8:30. I sipped on some carbohydrate drink mix so I got some more fluid in that was not precision hydration but just a total uh, or I'm giving you a view of the uh, all the fluid that I had not just precision hydration because I don't think that you should have just electrolyte uh, by no means. So uh, either way, I was uh, drinking carbohydrate drink mix to get some energy in and get fluid in before the race. Of course, I had had breakfast a few hours earlier, a couple of hours earlier, but uh, kept getting in more energy and more fluid. Then on the swim, not much. I maybe had a little bit of the Mediterranean Sea, but uh, thankfully not, not too much of that. And moving on to the bike, I had uh, precision hydration 1500 again so that means 1500 milligrams of sodium per liter of fluid in my 1.6 liter integrated hydration on my Ventum bike uh, so that's uh, 50 ounces for those of you who use uh, ounces and in my between the arms bottle I had that was a 0.5 liters or 16 ounces bottle and that was just pure water And I also took on additional water from uh, one aid station which was uh, located at the top of the summit at uh, 36 kilometers I think it was uh, where the bike course went. So in total that was a 750 milliliter bottle so in total I had roughly 1.2 or 1.3 liters of water and uh, 1. maybe I didn't quite empty the integrated hydration but 1.2 or 1.3 liters of precision hydration 1500 as well on the bike on the run i mostly had water took a cup of water at each aid station sometimes i took two and i also had some coke i didn't have any electrolytes anymore on the run because i felt pretty well hydrated going into the run and i felt i had had enough electrolytes for me to last the entire half marathon uh, i did have just in case an emergency blister pack of the uh, Of electrolyte pills from precision hydration in my pocket my trisuit pocket but i ended up not using it Uh, i just had water and uh, some coke as uh, as hydration in terms of nutrition uh, i what i did was since i had only water and electrolytes from the fluid i had uh, one bar on the bike and i think it was eight gels that i got i'm not quite sure but i'm pretty sure it was eight which uh, means 75 grams of carbs per hour and i actually ended up front loading this quite a bit because i took on a lot of energy when i was climbing the the summit leading up to the 36 kilometer mark of the race and uh, and had less on the downhill of course because it's just not practical then once we got to the flat sections i started to take on more energy again but in total one gel and uh, sorry, one bar and eight gels, 75 grams of carbs per hour of racing. And on the run, I had three more gels and I used Science sport uh, Sport uh, isotonic gels and I had some Coke. Uh, it's difficult to estimate exactly how much Coke I had, but I did a, uh, an estimate. So I think I had around 70 grams of carbohydrates per hour on the run, which actually is uh, quite a bit more than I usually have on a half marathon. And I was surprised it ended up being that much. But I think that the Coke just made it pretty easy to consume carbohydrates. So, so that was an interesting finding and uh, lesson learned from this race that actually Coke is a really good way of getting on energy and I had no issues whatsoever. So, so that was good. As I said, no more electrolytes on the run, but uh, then after the race, I uh, rehydrated with uh, another 0.5 liters or 16 ounces of precision hydration 1500 in addition to water and some more coke i think i had at the uh, at the tents where they were giving out food and drinks so uh, that's uh, a bit of a longer read but it gives you a practical idea of how you can use precision hydration of course you should do what works for you what works for me might not work for you a great place to start is to take precision hydration's free online sweat test on precisionhydration.com. And you can, if you want to try your first box or tube for free, use the promo code that triathlon show all one word, all caps, and give it a go. And big thanks also to our second sp- sponsor, Roca. And also uh, an interesting observation from Ironman 7.3 Words. I tried to count the swim skins on the professional races, and it was a bit difficult because I couldn't see the entire starting line. And I didn't see the men coming out of the water because I was preparing for my own race. Uh, I only saw the women on the Facebook live stream as well. I only went down to actually see the race when the run was on, when they were getting in from the bike and the run started. That was when I went down. Uh, Either way, uh, from what I could see, the number of Roka Viper swimskins was uh, uh, really big and uh, the winner in terms of what swimskin was the most popular of the brands this is not an official count or anything, but uh, but I'm pretty confident that uh, from what I saw that that was the case and that Roka were the winners in terms of the number of swim skins that you saw on the professionals. And I'm definitely sure that on the a it was it was the case that there were a massive amount of Roka Vipers Viper swim skins going on there in the in the age group races because the age group the men's age group race ended up being a non a non-wetsuit swim so roca in addition to swim skins do fantastic wetsuits suits, and high performance eyewear both for sports and for casual streetwear they even do prescription glasses so check out all their products on roca.com and get 20% off your entire order with the promo code tts all caps